Hey, welcome to the first episode of Sipping Honesty. It has been a busy past couple of weeks finishing out the first semester of school, so I'm glad to finally be able to record and release this first episode with my first guest, my dad, <laughs> Dr. Sam Lim. He has a perspective I am more than excited to be able to share with you. Some things I'm grateful for this break, this season, are the opportunity to actually breathe and take a step back from the different yet difficult semester and also the opportunity to hopefully be able to put some ideas that I have for this podcast um, into action. I'm excited for this time off. I'm grateful for family and friends who support me always getting a little sappy here, kind of cliche, but I really am. And especially those of you who have reached out, um, encouraging me about this podcast. And then I'm also grateful for those positive and encouraging segments on the news, (laughs) which directly contrast the tragic and heartbreaking realities um, that the news highlights nowadays. But, of course, these positive segments originate from the kind hearts of the nation and the sacrificial service workers that are putting so much on the line now. I could not be grateful, could not be more grateful for those frontline workers and even the people that help me every single day without me knowing like the people who work in the restaurants i order food from etc i hope this can be a reminder to all of us listening and me speaking <laughs> to be grateful for those who are making sacrifices for simple pleasures that we enjoy so yeah without further ado i hope you enjoy this podcast and thank you so much for listening dad hi sarah (laughs) welcome to the podcast Uh, thanks for inviting me to your very first podcast of course um to get right into it ask the first question which is what is your job well i'm a rheumatologist it's a specialty in internal medicine that deals with Uh, joint disorders and arthritis but also a lot with autoimmune conditions (laughs) and I focus specifically on a condition called lupus. Could you give a greater description because uh, I'll tell people that you're a lupus rheumatologist and I I can't really give a good explanation of what that is after. Lupus is an autoimmune disease where the body's immune system as you know is designed to fight off viruses as we're all hearing lately mm-hmm. and bacteria and other foreign things but there are conditions called autoimmune conditions where the immune system gets confused and attacks itself and lupus is a specific condition where it's interesting mostly women and younger women uh, develop it and especially women of color more than anyone else and it can mm-hmm. lead to a whole host of different issues I know that especially now we're talking about how physical conditions and viruses can disproportionately affect minorities and families and races just unequally. Do you have any 
comments about how COVID is disproportionately affecting so many families of different ethnicities and also socioeconomic status? Yeah, it's been something that I've been giving some thought about lately. Uh, with respect to COVID, it's obviously an infectious disease that requires people to be relatively close to one another to get infected. And when you are part of a community or in certain occupations where you're required to be around a lot of people and especially going to the job place where you have to take public transportation, for example, when you're around a lot of other people, that, that all puts you at greater risk for developing COVID. And I think that's why communities of color can be disproportionately afflicted by an infectious condition like COVID because mm -hmm. uh, they're not able to socially distance within the home as well. They, they may not have large homes with multiple separate rooms. Um, there are people working inside that home that they have to go take public transportation. And when they are at work, they're not given the proper protection or they may not be as safely distanced from other people that, that might have COVID than mm -hmm. others. Yeah. I mean, with all this in mind, um, I'd like to know what you do as a part of your work. I mean, I've heard multiple stories, but I just <laughs> want you to retell um, how you work to enforce or greater just implicate uh, equity in the workplace and also equity with regards to lupus. Sure. You know, I didn't have the vision of exactly what I'm doing now in mind many years ago and things sort of developed along the way. At first, I got interested in lupus because my mother or your grandmother has mm -hmm. something very similar to lupus, an autoimmune disease. And medically speaking, it was very interesting to me and suited me very well in terms of what I wanted to do in medicine. So that was the start, being interested in it from mm -hmm. a medical standpoint and wanting to understand it better and treat people better. And then the observation was that these individuals were mostly women and minority women. And it got me thinking over time that why is it that my mother, your grandmother, uh, would develop something like lupus when we don't have these conditions running in our family? Yeah. And I think about her life and having come from a totally different culture and country at a, at a later stage in her life. And there was a lot of stress in that transition. And we were quite poor uh, when I was growing up and she didn't know the language very well. And you can imagine all the stressful issues from that. And I've always wondered why uh, minorities, especially minority women, develop lupus uh, compared to white uh, women, for example. And it got me thinking that there had to be some sort of role to people's experiences. And if it was something like stress, for example, which is what you know my mother had to deal a lot with, we know that stress has a lot to do with the immune system. You know, we get sicker easier 
when we're stressed and we're not eating well or sleeping mm-hmm. well. So that led me to explore that topic and get involved with other scientists, especially in what we call the social sciences and helping me learn about these issues from their perspective and me teaching them about the medical issues with lupus. And and that's a big part of my life now. Not only do I take care of people with lupus, but I'm exploring and researching the contribution of what we call social determinants of health to lupus. What is it around our social environment, whether it's the people, the networks that we have, um, the neighborhood that we live in, uh, what we do and what we don't do in those contexts that are both good and bad that influence health. So that's a big part of what I do is exploring that with my team. Mm. I, I don't think until really this year I would have considered that there are so many, so many factors to your health, whether it's your physical, your physical health, um, whether it's your mental health or your living situation or the effects of socialization or the lack of it. Um, and I think it's really fascinating that so much, especially factors that most people wouldn't have to consider, like your race or your um, socioeconomic status, those affect people's health. Um, and you're talking about my harmony, my grandmother. What other childhood experiences have influenced the work that you're doing today or where you are today? Because I know you tell me countless stories and they constantly inspire me to make change and make progress in my own life. And I think the audience would love to hear them as well. Yeah, well, I alluded a little bit to it in terms of talking about my mom and that is, uh, you know, I was also born in South Korea and I came when I was much younger than her, obviously. But still, it was a big transition for me during very formidable uh, years of my life mm. and having to adapt to that change. I grew up mostly in St. Louis, which in many ways is a wonderful town. Uh, I'm very grateful for the excellent school in the environment, the safe environment that I grew up in. But it was also a challenge in that I was one of only about 10 or 12 minorities in my class Mm -hmm. of about 500 plus students. Ah. So there were relatively few of us, mostly it was uh, white students around me and it really put a lot of pressure on me to want to conform, or at least that's how I felt. And the vast majority of students were very supportive and friends with me regardless of what I look like, but I certainly faced my share of uh, discrimination and uh, you know, racist comments during our time that we lived there. And it really taught me about how it can influence one's behaviors and perspectives uh, and how powerful it can be And my experience is that of an Asian male growing up in the U.S., and I've been able to overcome that given my circumstances, my my, uh, strong family support. I can't fully imagine what it's like to be someone in in a different environment that may not have had some of those supportive structures around them. 
And when you talk about the experience of being an African-American, there's that added context of the history of racism Mm -hmm. uh, stemming from slavery, obviously. And that is going to be fundamentally similar in some ways to what I experienced, but also very different. And that's something that I'm um, very mindful of and wanting to learn more about and uh, very cautious in the sense that, you know, I know what it may be like to be them in some sense, but not fully. And, you know, I think that experience of being um, especially African-American in the United States is something that has been linked to so much in terms of medical issues that uh, it's something that I'm wanting to explore further in terms of how lupus is a part of that unfortunate experience of uh, of being black in the United States. Mm-hmm. I think that was well said. And I can't help but somewhat relate to you from when in fourth grade when I came to the school I am now, which is majority white, a private school in a very privileged area, which I'm very blessed to be in. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities that you've given me and that I have here. Um, But I just remember looking so different from my classmates, um, most of my classmates, and being treated differently. They were, I I felt so out of place. People would ask me uh, where I was from, and that curiosity can be kind, except when they didn't know that Taiwan was a country or, or that someone could be from Korea and Taiwan and be at the school in their class, um, which it, it made me feel out of place and I, I wanted to be white and I remember being um, very conscious about what I was doing that may have been culturally different from my classmates. And I think that sort of um, isolation or those feelings have got me to where I am today. And I think that society and my class and my community have grown to where I feel embraced. I do feel like I can be more of who I am now, whether that was the growth of my friends or um, just the way that society and teenagers nowadays have, have grown to be more aware. I'm encouraged by the progress that I have made and that my community has made to where I can feel like this. Um, but as you were saying, there, it is no indication of how many other races and other people of color and uh, minorities feel, which is why I think these conversations are important to have, especially now. Um, yeah, it's very encouraging to hear that because that's what's very different about your generation than mine. Mm. Um, if I would have been as comfortable as you are now in being different and celebrating that difference, when I was growing up, it would have really stood out and I'm sure I would have been subject to some sort of ridicule or bullying mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Um, and I think the environment has been uh, much better in that regard, that that, that is being talked about more openly and celebrated instead of discouraged well i have a couple more questions and following this i wanted to ask what advice you would give to students like me who are pursuing practical change 
I know after watching the news as a family, you have conversations with me when I'm overwhelmed about how uh, I should use my passion and my anger to make change. And that is so broad <laughs> of a word, change. Um, and I can often feel lost with how to do that. And I'm actually encouraged with the conversations I have with my friends because we often were so blessed to be in a position where we can pursue change. Um, and we can make those changes with our privileges and our blessings. Um, so what do you think that could look like? Well, you all live in an amazing time. And, you know, this day of social media and the internet, it, it brings the opportunity to have a message almost instantaneously circle the globe. And I think that is tremendously powerful and has advanced a lot of the positive things that we've been discussing in ways that, again, would not have been possible when I was younger. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that continue, that you should all continue to seek change through that and expect things to be potentially dramatic and impactful on a global level. Um, but on the other hand, I, I think it gives many people your, your age, a sense that things have to be instantaneous or viral. Mm -hmm. um, things have to be measured on the level of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views instead of a single conversation. And you know these concepts of diversity, equity, and inclusion are, are not things that can change with a tweet or a TikTok video, as you know. <laughs> um, but sometimes uh, I know that you, you want to make people change very quickly and in large numbers. But, but oftentimes, uh, you know, these views are very deeply set. They're, they're part of how people grew up and not quickly changed, um, but they, they can be changed. Sometimes, for some people, it may take longer than others. And so I would encourage people to consider that and practice some patience and know that even a conversation perhaps it may not be tangible in terms of any acceptance or change at that moment just know that that has planted seeds mm -hmm. and I can remember many conversations I've had with individuals in the past that still impact me today I, I mean I remember just certain sentences words or mm -hmm. that individual or an action that they took that many, many years later have made such an, a profound impact on me that I am I know that most of them nev will never know that they've made that impact on me. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what the power each one of us has through individual relationships, which are just as powerful and important in this global movement as, as a viral video. And I think combining those two, you all have an amazing opportunity to make difference that's long lasting. Mm, that's so good and important for my generation to remember um i remember over the summer i was really i can get really lost in looking forward trying to move forward and make change that i forget where i am and that there are people around me in my same boat that i can cooperate with or even have a simple conversation with that has just as big of an impact either in my life or their lives as making or signing a petition and making those practical changes. Um, I, I'm encouraged by 
seeing my friends or classmates I wouldn't have had conversa- these conversations with. Now being able to have these conversations um, with the initiatives at school or social media movements or the ways that school is bringing us together, I am having more of these moments and conversations and dialogues with people I wouldn't have had these conversations with last year or six months ago. Um, And I think that's really important and valuable. And lastly, what do you believe in your life is important or significant that can be easily lost with um, the way that things can be emotionalized? Is that a word? Let me back up. I was listening to the Thinking Biblically podcast from Perimeter Church, and Randy Pope was saying how easy it is for people to get passionate and emotional about controversial topics that are bringing are being brought up this year, um, and that in that process, people will lose what is important to them. And here's my question: <laughs> What is that important thing to you? that you um, would not like to lose in the heat of all of these things that are going on? Well, you know, the general principle here is when there's a storm, what's the anchor that you have mm-hmm. amidst that storm? We all go through them. And along the lines of what's going on recently with the virus and the masking and all the controversy there, I believe in science. It's rational it's what i've studied but along with that i have my faith as you mentioned um, in terms of my christian beliefs Mm -hmm. so how do i reconcile all of this with so many different opinions and um, the emotions that circle around these topics and the way i reconcile that is falling back to the basic principles of of science and my christian faith I firmly believe about the science behind the COVID virus. We know how it gets transmitted. We know how to minimize that risk through masking and social distancing. But yet there are people around me, including those that are my friends, that I respect in many other ways, who don't seem to practice that as much or may not believe it to the degree that I do. Mm -hmm. And that's where the principles that you have to fall back on come into play and and ultimately everything is laid upon the foundation of of my christian faith and so when i view people who don't believe what i believe uh, i have to look at them the way that you know christ looked at at us and me uh, you know he came to this earth as the son of god and had every right to condemn um, because he was perfect and Um, better than all of us Mm. yet he chose to love me first and if i am to believe that uh, i i I should not help but want to express that same love and grace to others Mm. so even though i do believe in science uh, many of the people around me uh, may not to that degree and i fall back on the principles of being taught to to love and i think that's what we really need to try to remember is to not get so caught up in the politics and in the motion emotion of all this and you know those things are real you know on one side people are noting that 
there are lives at risk. There are people dying all around us because of the virus. And it's being perpetuated by those who don't wear the mask. But I know that many who are not wearing the mask are not doing it to try to kill people. They firmly believe on their side, as much as I firmly believe on my side, the perspective that they have, which is also shadowed by loss of businesses and, and the harm that the virus is doing that's so real to them. And they may not have the scientific background that I do, the medical perspective. And we need to have grace with that. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, we need to continue to try to educate and I will do my best to try to change people's minds. And so we can't forget about that. But at the same time, to do it in a way that is without grace, with, without love, how are we going to change those people's mm -hmm. minds? And more importantly, how do we change this world? The pandemic will end at some point, uh, Lord willing. <laughs> and, and so this is a great opportunity <clears throat> to learn, learn principles that will improve the world beyond COVID. If we can get through this crisis together to understand that people have different views, that are different, that we celebrate those differences, but at the same time, we can work together as a country, as a globe, um, despite those differences, we will be much better off as a human race afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I've been realizing, especially this year, that it's not always just black and white. It's not this side or the other side. And often, even in my own class, um, and communities around me it's people will often force you to be against them or for them and that is such a divisive culture that can often lead to unloving practices and unloving um reactions to people and it's fruitless so i liked what you were saying about how treating people with christ-like love and grace even if they don't believe what you believe, that is okay, and it should be okay and can be okay. And it's how you move forward with despite those differences that can make a true impact. That's right. Any last words? No, this is a great start. Thank and, you. And uh, thank you for the opportunity <laughs> to express some of my views with you. Thank you for joining me. 